podcast we did on episode 16 and this time of course it's myself trav joined by alex and today we're bringing back dan of console wars dan thanks so much for joining us again and for uh guilting us into letting you come back on <laughs> yeah uh, happy to be here guys <laughs> should we should we say why i'm here we tell a little story so well no there's what i told trav is like okay there's there's three things you should know in life you know, and just in general, uh, number one is that you should never spit into the wind. Number two is that you should never tug on Superman's cape. Number three is that you should never have a '90s music podcast without inviting Dan from Console Wars. <laughs> <laughs> so you need to be here for this kind of stuff because you are one of the premier experts on '90s music because you are in all sorts of like '90s cover bands. I mean. Uh, if there's anybody that needs to be consulted about this kind of music from this era, it's, it's, it's you like there's, there's nobody else like, uh, unless like Kurt Cobain rises from a, his grave or something <laughs> like that. But no, it, we're, we're really happy to have you here. Absolutely. So thank you so much for coming on with us uh, to talk some nineties music. We really appreciate you. <laughs> I mean, thanks for having me on, and thanks for that introduction. Now I feel like I'm definitely not going to live up to the name of, like, the 90s music guy. I was even, like, telling my wife, I'm like, I don't know what to say. I, I just got drunk, and I just was being funny. I think I'm just going to say oh, no. I liked it. I like 90s music. That's going to be my... That's qualification enough, because you're, you're Alice in Chains guy, you're a Nirvana guy, like, you're, like, all over the place, love all that stuff, and that's good more than good enough for us because it's more than good enough for our audience too because you really know all that stuff and you grew up with it so uh yeah you're you're right there with with all of you're right in step with everybody so that's why we want to have you on all right that's why we're going to focus on dance music right that's what we're that's doing right <laughs> dance music podcast no swing music we're gonna go uh <laughs> oh, squirrel no. nut zippers or whatever the damn band is called big bad uh, voodoo daddy or something i don't know yeah alex and i definitely just scratched the surface on i guess our affection toward 90s music because even after we ended that podcast we still talked for another hour and a half not recording <laughs> <laughs> we're like we should be recording this too because it was just we went on and on talking about the things that we'd already talked about on the podcast I'm like dude I, when you mentioned that i was thinking this and this so yeah we definitely weren't finished uh talking about what we talked about so we're inviting you here is not like we're going to have to rehash anything we have plenty more to add but i did think that you're you're saying it's a drunken tweet and i didn't take it as a drunken tweet it it did sound like i had irritated you because in that, <laughs> in that tweet you called us both out you said i just listened to the 90s music podcast and i've got a few things to say that was just one tweet <laughs> then you responded to your own own tweet and was like how could you not ask your 90s music is in my blood buddy dan to be on and i was like oh no and i, I screen sh screenshotted that and sent that to drunk and was like buddy we've made a mistake oh man i know and i was like oh my god i, I was immediately regretful i was like oh no 
what have we done? I'm not even kidding. I was like, this is this is terrible. <laughs> like, this is a disaster. We need to have him on, like, for part two, for sure. Yeah. Yes, and we knew immediately there would be a part two because, again, we weren't done talking, and we got a lot of cool emails from people who wanted to, uh, I guess, share their own 90s music uh, stories or anecdotes and that kind of thing, which we'll get to. But before we do any of that, in drunk friend fashion, and Dan, you were one of the stone cutters for this. We got to talk about what we're drinking. <laughs> what stone cutters? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he. We we had to do this one, the, the first one twice with him, and we were somehow more drunk the second time we did it. So, uh, it's <laughs> oh. it's tradition at this point. Uh, what is that was the name drinking? of my '90s trivia band, by the way, Stonecutters. Just throwing that out there. Really? <laughs> yeah, that's what wow. I thought you were referencing. Nice. I'm like, oh, Travis, you're so clever, just bringing in my nice. '90s trivia band. Yeah, that's the name of the band. It's <laughs> the Stonecutters. Oh my god, sorry, you just blew my mind. All right, of course I knew that. I do my research. I do my research. Uh, no, I had no idea it was a coincidence. But uh, I am drinking a. Uh, I'm, I'm double fisting tonight. I knew this would be a long conversation. I went ahead and got two drinks. I have a, uh, a Greyhound over here. Just a. Gin and grapefruit, and then I have a another uh, stone brewing beer, the Scorpion Bowl IPA, uh, for, mm. part of the variety pack I talked about in our last recording. There, Alex. Uh, that's right. Yeah. It, it says at the bottom here. It says a punch to the stinger. That's what. It, that's the little catchphrase there. It's uh, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Where so is that's that what based I'm, out of? Is, is that based out of your part, your neck of the woods, or is it someplace else, or? Uh, it's stone, but it says. Uh, oh, it's stone. Okay. So yeah. It's so like it, it is like Escondido, California, and Richmond, Virginia. I'm sure I got the Richmond side. <laughs> yeah, I've got uh, Roku Jin with six unique Japanese botanicals, but it's someplace in I don't know, probably like New York City or something. New York City, <laughs> you know, something like that. But. Uh, no, it's yeah, just just regular old gin. But uh, what are you drinking, Dan? Right now, I'm just uh, drinking a little Yingling, a little East Coast beer. Oh, uh, right on! I miss that stuff. Yeah, it's pretty good. I don't know. I haven't had it like all summer, and I was just like at the liquor store yesterday. I was like, yeah, I'll have some Yingling. So you know, yeah, nice. I, that Yingling is not available out in the southeast or southeast southwest down here it's i can't find it anywhere yeah i I don't know it to be like anywhere except for like pretty much along the east yeah we have it here but uh yeah i don't think you can get it maybe i don't know were you able to get it in minnesota i was yeah oh but not out here in freaking albuquerque yeah they don't have it anywhere interesting as far as i can tell it's definitely a good beer it's a good beer all right, yeah. so uh, I actually just finished. Can I go get one more, guys? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. All right, I'll be right back. I'll be quick. Be quick. Go ahead. <laughs> Thank you for dealing with my rudeness. Sorry about that. No, no, it's all good. No. Can always edit. It's... Um, or maybe we won't. You never know what we said about you while you were gone. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so now that we've uh, we've talked about what we're drinking, as as we're uh, required to do. As part of this podcast, uh, Dan's even uh, re-upped. He's ready to go. So <laughs> let's, uh, I guess we'll go ahead and get into some emails. Is that the part that of That sounds good to me, so, yeah. All right. Uh, so a couple of these are, uh, well, actually, the two emails that we got are kind of storied. They're a little longer. Uh, I'll actually start with this one down here from my pal, Caleb. He's my co-host on uh, Tales of the Oh, Lesson yeah. Media. Yeah. 
Uh, his is a little long, but it's actually kind of amusing, so I'll, I'll try to make it through here as, as, as easy and quickly as possible. He says, hey, Travis and Alex, and of course he didn't know Dan would be here, but hello, Alex, Travis, and Dan. Uh, your episode 16 music discussion brought back a ton of 1990s music memories. One that I had forgotten about until that discussion is how I first found out about my favorite musician of all time, Tom Waits. Remember that 90s MTV show Total Request Live hosted by Carson Daly? Well, during an episode that was otherwise full of typical pop and teen band fluff, Carson Daly inserted a super quick mention of a new album, Mule Variations, by a musician named Tom Waits, whom Daly described as having a hard-to-like voice in his own way of saying very not Total Request Live type stuff. It seemed Daly was daring to expose his music-loving underbelly after years of promoting commercial pop music. I can imagine the conversation between the MTV execs. You want to promote who? Tom Waits? Is he a cute teen boy? No? Then no! (laughs) But Daly, during air, looking over his shoulder to ensure his bosses are looking, whispers quickly to the camera, Everybody check out Tom Waits. I had completely forgotten about this weird moment until years later, a college professor handed me a copy of Waits' Rain Dogs album and told me to write an essay about it. I was confused, but she never steered me wrong before. I listened, liked it okay, listened more, eventually fell in love. As another pin in this weird life map of mine, years later, in 2007, I'm on a Southwest Airlines flight. The in-flight magazine has a cover story about Tom Waits. I was shocked. So shocked, in fact, that I wrote a letter to the editor expressing my joy. Well, three months later, I'm on another flight, this time for work, sitting next to my coworker, and I pick up the in-flight magazine to find that my letter was published. <laughs> I, I waited until my coworker discovered the letter herself. She did a couple double takes. We had a laugh. The stranger next to me was impressed. Apparently, my coworker managed to say something to the flight attendant without me knowing, because a few minutes later, one attendant comes to me and dumps about six bags of pretzels on my lap. <laughs> I remember saying, I'm not sure what to do, as though this was her first day on the job. Or he remembers her saying, I'm not sure what to do, as if this was her first day on the job. And her training hadn't prepared her for meeting an in-the-flesh letter to the editor-writer. So she so she pretzel-dumped, pretzel-dumped, panicked, and skittered away. Later, she brought me a free, free glass of whiskey, which I appreciated even more. And he even attached pictures for proof, which we can't show on the podcast, obviously. But yes, I can confirm this thing it did, in fact, happen. And then he ends nice. up with, if we meet in person, drunk friends, I expect pretzels and whiskey. And sure, why not? Wow. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. Hell of a story, man. Like, you're just sitting on an airplane, and you just pick up a magazine, and it's just like, oh, there's my name. Yeah. <laughs> holy crap. <laughs> like, what are the odds of that? Like, holy cow. Yeah. That's insane. And it's even like, better that he, he was, wasn't alone. He had someone he could brag to that would appreciate oh, yeah. it. He, he didn't have to, like, steal the magazine from the airplane to take it, <laughs> take it home to show people. It was like he could enjoy that feedback right there in the moment. That's crazy. Yeah, no, good for him. That's that's a, a great story. That's, I mean, a great story for sure. Like, I'm not even sure how to, like, share that to other people. That's, <laughs> you, you put it exactly, or it's like... Like, what do you do with that story? It's like, you can't, like, go and say, like, oh, hey, my name was in a <laughs> an airline something, an airline uh, magazine. magazine. Yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. What do you do? Also, do you, I mean, do you guys remember TRL, Total Request Live, or was that a thing for you guys? Oh, yeah, I definitely remember that. It's 
I mean, I didn't watch it too much because, like, at that point, there it was mostly like that teeny bopper stuff um, yeah. that they were spouting out there. But I definitely remember watching that like after school. Let's, let's go see TRL. It's on the list, and nothing I ever listened <laughs> to was on the list. So yeah, yeah it's all right. I was so I was hooked on it too. But I remember like I I didn't like most of the top ten. But I would, I remember being in middle school and we had um, a computer class, or I had a computer class that was like, you know, after lunch, and you could vote online, and there was no, you know, this was before, you know, the sophistication of the World Wide Web, so you can, you could vote as many times as you wanted, and they knew you were doing that, they had no way to limit that, so I just remember sitting there for like hours at a time just voting for the, the music that I liked that I knew wouldn't be on there, just clicking submit over and over and over, and uh, of course, never seeing, never seeing my song even register in the top ten because I'm pretty sure it was all fixed. But uh, yeah, that was my memory of TRL was just endlessly clicking, you know, submitting whatever shitty band I was into. <laughs> just please show 45 seconds of my favorite band on this show because that's all they did. They showed about 45 seconds of a music video and then talked over it and went to a commercial. I don't know why <laughs> I liked it so much, but it is what it well, is. Well, what were the bands you were submitting? Uh, I can't remember, but it was like the, like whatever was remaining of the grunge era in the late '90s, so not much. Yeah, it wasn't I remember. I, th- I was gonna say I remember voting for like Pearl Jam's "Do the Evolution" because it was like, whoa, Pearl oh. Jam video is out, and it was like their first video since Jeremy or that era. Oh yeah, like, this awesome. Remember Tom they took McFarlane that long thing? break between Jeremy and doing "Do the Evolution," and it was like this like big deal when yeah. they put out to the evolution yeah that was like a huge deal so i voted for that (laughs) yeah i remember voting for that and i was also uh, a big aerosmith fan but i didn't like don't want to miss a thing so i would try to vote (laughs) the other aerosmith songs in there they never made it was it pink was it pink did you vote for pink (laughs) it was probably something off of that album whatever (laughs) that was nine lives album which was i mean aerosmith was you know, where, where everything else was like cute teen boy pop, Aerosmith was just like old man boy pop. <laughs> like, <laughs> it wasn't really that different in that era, but I I was like, man, I like I like my my old rock and roll bands. You know, give me give me Aerosmith in there, which sometimes happened. But TRL was a fascinating thing. Like I might have been in the perfect age range for for that because it was just everybody watched that and loved it, and it was insane. <laughs> and I fell into the trap as well. I remember there was like a real world or road rules and one of the guys like ambitions was to be on TRL like to be the host I guess and then he found out while he was filming the real world or road rules that like oh TRL was canceled like years ago and he was just like oh uh. shit <laughs> <laughs> what do I do with my life now <laughs> like wait wait a second what do I do <laughs> yeah oh man maybe I should have watched it <laughs> Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> Probably should have paid attention a bit, but <laughs> should we read this other email or should we just move along or Yeah, let's uh let's see what Matt has for us here on this email. Okay. Do you want me to read so, that one too? Oh, you got it? No, I got this one. Oh. Uh he says he says, Hey gents, another great podcast today. So many musical memories. Once the COVID stuff is over, both of you should come to my neck of the woods, Cleveland. Cleveland. Cleveland I mean, rocks. I'm just kidding. Cleveland rocks, yeah. <laughs> and take a trip to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Music fans such as yourself would have a great time down there. 
I'm also about equal distance to Canton, home of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, as well, a must-visit for sports fans. Also, it's overall a pretty reasonable price because Cleveland isn't exactly a hot destination for tourism. Boy, you could have fooled me. Uh, (laughs) To tie music and gaming, I must admit one of those bad games that I played way too much of uh, growing up was the SNES port of Revolution X. All right. (laughs) Yeah, I am one of those people too. I remember playing that in the arcade and being like, why is this game popular? I love Aerosmith, and this this game is freaking terrible. Uh, Matt continues, it was a cheesy gallery shooter. I think that genre is called gallery shooter. Yes, it is. Featuring Aerosmith, if I recall correctly, they are kidnapped for some reason. Probably a stupid one, but you have to shoot a bunch of people to get them back. I went back and tried to play it, and it's just too bad. SNES didn't do the genre very well, except for Wild Guns, of course. Hope you have a great fourth. He probably messaged us back before the July 4th. Cheers, <laughs> Matt. He means, he means the 4th of August. That's also a very, very good fourth. That's a good fourth. <laughs> great save. Great yeah. save. It's still a summer month. It's it's, it's usually a good weather day. So I, I intend to have a good August 4th as well. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> Matt, the you know I just I just mentioned Aerosmith and I talked about on that last episode how you know the first cassette one of the first cassettes I got was uh, Aerosmith's Permanent Vacation and because of that Aerosmith became like my obsession as a kid because I was either that or Robert Palmer and come on so I went <laughs> Robert Palmer you know I mean irresistible I, come on <laughs> I mean I faced it I was addicted to love but I <laughs> I really liked uh, Aerosmith more and. Uh, and my sister was very much into the hair metal at the time, and so Aerosmith kind of fit that mold. I had something in common with her, and so like this band was my obsession for years. Like anytime I was, I would open up a music magazine, I would just scan for just mentions of Aerosmith. Like just it didn't even matter what it said. I was just so so obsessed with them. And when this game came out, uh, I didn't have a Super Nintendo or a Genesis, um, and the the arcade wasn't in town either. So I really just. I just thought about this game all the time, what it was like. Like, oh my god, my favorite band in a video game. It must be so cool. It must be so awesome. And then years later, when I finally played it, I couldn't have been the. There couldn't have been a sad, a sadder boy. It was so. <laughs> it's just so bad. It's so bad. It's just they're screaming like Revolution X over and over. And it's, it's bad. It's so. It's not great. Dan, do you have uh, any history with Revolution X? Not really. Um... I remember seeing it. I think for me it wasn't a bowling alley, but it was a roller skating rink. That's where all the cool arcade games were. And uh, nice. it was just one of those games. Like I wasn't into those types. Of, like oh, I'm gonna shoot everything on screen, and it's like ah, I'm okay. And it's like it's Aerosmith. It's that cool band. Like ah, not really for me. So I never really played it. I saw other yeah. people play it. Uh, we did review it for Console Wars. If anybody wants to know which one's better, Sega or Super Nintendo. Oh, right on. <laughs> so yeah, there you go. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because I, I I just got curious. I was like, wait, I think it's on I think it's on both systems. I should look it up and see. Mm-hmm. So I need to catch your episode of that. But uh, yeah, yeah. One, one thing I didn't include on there is the Super Nintendo one. You can play with the mouse, but it is terrible because it's also the shoot button's the pause button or something. So you're oh. gonna get angry a lot if you play with the mouse. Ah, bummer. Oh, that's kind of gross. Dang. Okay, good to know. Um. 
So let's move into, I guess, we can talk a little bit about some of the stuff that you're doing, Dan, because in the last episode, Drunk and I uh, talked about a lot of the mainstays that I think piqued your interest the most. We definitely <laughs> talked about Nirvana. We talked about um, Soundgarden. We talked about Alice in Chains a little bit, and those are all bands We can that talk are... about all that stuff again, though. Oh, no, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like, those are all things that are, that are um, sort of centered, like, that's what you center a lot of your music interest on. So tell us a little bit about, like, how you... Um, you know, came you know came into the grunge scene. Like what you know, how old you were when it when it kind of hit you. What bands you clung to, and, and so forth. Okay, sure. I got into it late. I got it into it like the late mid to late nineties. Like it was after mm. that stuff had passed. Yeah. Um, I still remember the first time I heard Smells Like Teen Spirit, or the first time it like connected with me. It was like at a school dance, <laughs> and uh, they played that song, and then all the other boys in my class were just going nuts and like pushing each other and i was like that looks fun oh what is this song and then that's and then it just got stuck in my head and then my buddy was hanging out with is just like playing a random cd and i was like that's that song that's that song everybody was dancing to. <laughs> um so after that like the summer of 97 is when i really started to get into like the seattle sound like nirvana was my my gateway into it so you know start with Nevermind, and then i mostly focused on nirvana and pearl jam for a long time like I yeah. said, uh, do the evolution, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> listen to that around that time. So um, I listen to those two guys a lot. And uh, Nirvana is the reason like, I've even picked up a guitar ever. Um, I still remember exactly what I was doing. I used to do this thing where I dressed up in Halloween costumes and stage-dived onto my bed while I was playing air guitar in a tennis racket. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, a very interesting life I lived. Um, so I was No, doing- <laughs> listen. I need to tell you something right now because when Slash, I saw Slash play guitar on uh, the November Rain video, mm-hmm. I was, uh, uh, you know, I was on my bed playing uh, air guitar for uh, the solo for November Rain because who else was going to do it? I was going to do it. So, <laughs> yeah. Nice. But did you wear a Halloween costume like I did? Because I went full. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> no, I, it's that's the thing, yeah. It's so, like nobody else is going to do it. I need to do it. This <laughs> needs to happen right now, so it needs to happen, yeah. <laughs> you had your chest hair out, the vest on, smoking a <laughs> of cigarette. Of course, yeah, the hat. The hat, yeah. The hair. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. So you, uh, you're you rocking out. You, that's the reason that you picked up the, the guitar was Nirvana, and I think it's interesting because you're kind of like me because I, I think I was under the age of 10 when the grunge scene actually hit. Mm-hmm. And so it didn't hit me because I was still kind of straddling being a kid and not yeah. not really listening to a lot of this cool music. And it wasn't until a lot of them honestly had some of the musicians had died and some of the you know the bands had come to a complete halt mm-hmm. that I sort of discovered it in a way that I really was interested in it and could peruse all of the the backlogs and the catalogs and all that stuff which is kind of a bummer uh I mean it's it's kind of a giant bummer part of it's like it's it's great that I didn't have to fall in love with them and then have my heart broken by um by their demise so to speak uh but the other part of it is I wish I was young enough or was old enough rather to enjoy them in their heyday like I wish I you know when I was seven eight nine I wish I had the maturity to to understand and enjoy Nirvana in their heyday but I was, I was unfortunately just too young I had to pick it up later and enjoy it so it seems like you had a similar experience yeah pretty much uh late bloomer just like 
didn't really get into music until like I was like 12, 13. So I was 10 when Kurt Cobain committed suicide. So I was nowhere like into any of that stuff. So um, yeah, definitely a lot later for me. But like once I found it, like I just dove right in. And like you said, there's this whole backlog of like all these great bands. So I just like more and more and more. I just kept going like deeper and deeper into the Seattle sound and all that stuff. So yeah, it sucks because you don't get to like experience it like kind of like with everybody or you never get mm-hmm. to see them live. Uh, but like right. at least there's like all that great music to go back to and just like oh wow this is this is awesome I like music actually so here I go <laughs> yeah and and like during that time you know um, downloading music obviously not a thing uh, for a lot of us especially you know the late nineties you could do it if you had Napster or whatever but I certainly wasn't blessed with high speed internet and it wasn't until I got to college in like 2003 that I actually had an Ethernet hookup to where I really could you know pirate all of the music I wanted to listen to. And that was when I, I think I really got into it even more. Like I liked the music before, but I, I only liked what I could get access to once I was able to like go through full albums and pick apart B sides and, you know, live stuff. That was when I, I think my grunge Renaissance happened, which was unfortunately 10 years after it had kind of already lived and died. I, I sort of had this late bloomer, as you put it, rediscovery, of all of this cool music that uh, I just I wasn't old enough to enjoy at the time. Anybody oh. else enjoy it like that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, like just for me, um, I guess like the way I got into a lot of the music was like through like the videos that used to come out, like Nirvana. Like I only really had Nevermind, but I bought that video Live Tonight Sold Out um, that they had, which was just like a bunch of live performances. So that like right. helped dive me into that, and then like the Jersey Shore, uh, they would sell a lot of these uh, bootleg video cassettes, and uh, I'd watch those and spend a ridiculous amount of money just to get like the worst quality video. But to see these uh, bands live, which you could just see on YouTube now, but back in the day, I would just go to the shore, spend thirty bucks on a VHS, and wow, have a day. Yeah, they were super expensive. Even there's like a copy. Of Think a copy. about the Live Tonight sold out video was like it made the band seem like regular guys mm-hmm. like it was just like a showcase of just like dave grohl and chris novoselic and all the guys and kirk cobain be like oh hey here's a bunch of regular dudes just like killing time on tour and just being like a bunch of dipshits like <laughs> just like that you know <laughs> just killing time on stage not on stage, but, you know, on airplanes and stuff like that. And it's just like, it's like, oh, I never, when I, when I was like 12 or 13, when I first got this, I was like, hey, I never understood this part of, uh, you know, touring or music or whatever. So that was interesting to me. So, yeah. Yeah, that was the really interesting part to me too just seeing like what they would do in their free time and just like yeah all the crazy antics they did that's what i was watching actually when i made the decision yeah like, i think i'm gonna Same play thing. guitar i this is it this is what i want to do i want to play guitar and be like these guys so yeah <laughs> right yeah. yeah that was it for me yeah right on so we we talked a little bit about um obviously nirvana is big for you 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 it might be good to plug you also you have a cover band called uh penny royal tea that uh is a nirvana cover band and uh, unfortunately you've not been able to perform that during uh the current pandemic but can you talk a little bit about how that came together sure and actually i do have 
one tiny gig coming up uh, next weekend, a uh, little unplugged show. I'm going to do both my Nirvana and Alice in Chains. Gonna oh, cool. Double dip there. Nice. Uh, but how it came to be, um, I mean, I've been in like a bunch of bands, <laughs> a bunch of original bands, and I was even in a 90s tribute band where uh just played a bunch of those 90s songs and it was kind of split duties like i was a singer in there and split between a, a girl who was a singer there and like we ultimately started doing songs like i didn't want to do so i like lost interest but um my buddy who was in that band's like let's, let's just do nirvana man and like i had been told like my whole life like you sound like kirk cobain when you sing you should just start a nirvana <laughs> tribute band and i've always been like i don't want to man i like write my own stuff but like at that point i was already in a 90s tribute band so i was like all right fuck it i'm gonna do it let's do a nirvana tribute band so uh two of the guys from my 90s tribute band just joined me in the nirvana tribute and uh been doing that and we had a show at maxwell's in hoboken and that's nirvana had actually played there when i found that out yeah that was sick um yeah you could actually just like watch them i think it's like bleach era nirvana that they played around that time yeah it's pretty cool yeah so we were like one of the last people to play there because that venue doesn't exist anymore but we got to do a show there yeah it sucks man like all the history there's like all the bands that played there but um when i we had our first show it was like packed like i had never played in front of a crowd like that like it wasn't like hundreds but like maybe like 50 60 and they were all like just like in the zone like we were all just connecting yeah like, wow they, they, they really like so this cool. they really like me this is great so like after i that's played awesome my first, i love yeah. it that's great after playing yeah. the first show, I was like, oh, this is it. We, why didn't we do this sooner? Because you didn't want to, <laughs> idiot. Oh, right. <laughs> My ego. Right. So, um, yeah. yeah, just after that, we loved it. The crowds always love it. I always get, like, people just coming up to me like, I can't believe you sound like Kurt Cobain. I think a lot of it just because my look is like, who's this Spanish-looking guy that kind of sounds like <laughs> Kurt Cobain? <laughs> so I think that throws people off. But um, when people hear my voice, they're just like, wow. It it is a very Kurt Cobain esque, definitely. And I, when we talked, when we did our first episode together, episode three, way way back, uh, and you you brought up that you were um, in those cover bands, and I listened, and I I was floored, and I went, and I showed my wife, and I was like, "What do you think you're hearing right now? Who who who's singing?" She goes, "Well, it's 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 Kurt Cobain." I'm like, "No no no, it's a guy I just talked to last night on the internet. His name's Dan. <laughs> you're not going to believe it's actually not Kurt Cobain. It's a man named Dan." So that's good. She was very fooled. Um, so good, good on you. And it's interesting that you can do a really good convincing Kurt Cobain. You also do a pretty mean Lane Staley. Yeah, yeah, def- you do. <laughs> Not as good as Michael Cobain, but you know, I, I try. And uh, that came about because we were just—it's uh, the guys from the Nirvana tribute band. We're all just like, man, Allison Chains is fun. Maybe we should just do that. Because Mike, the guy who I was in the uh, 90s band who suggested doing the nirvana band he's in like five seven bands i don't know he's in a billion bands so he he wants to start a band like every day so he's like let's just do Alice in chains <laughs> i'm like all right jesus you won't stop nagging me so we just started doing Alice in chains we only had the one gig because of covid um that was at the beginning of the year and we had all these gigs lined up and but luckily we get to like i said we get to do another one um this upcoming weekend split between nirvana and Alice in chains so hopefully, if it slows down, we could do some gigs again, you know? So how does that work now with the, um, of course, with all the restrictions and all the regulations? Like, yeah. how does a live show, you know, you said unplugged. Is it, like, outdoors? Or there, is it, um, you know, people have to keep their distance? Like, how, how is that all mandated? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's outdoors. 
Um, I'm not, I don't know exactly everything. I mean, it would be kind of pointless if we were inside and everybody's not allowed inside. So I think it's got to be outdoors. And if it's unplugged, I'm pretty sure that there's no drums. So my buddy's got to get like a djembe or something. Just kind of hit that while we got like an unplugged uh, acoustic and bass going on. Right on. Yeah. Have you done an unplugged type show before? Oh, yeah. The first Alice in Chains show we did was an unplugged one. So everybody just thought, oh, you're just doing the unplugged stuff. No, we just, we don't really, we're not confident. So we thought the unplugged stuff was the easiest stuff because the the electric stuff, especially vocally for me, would be like oh, really difficult. Yeah, Lane's got a pretty high range there and uh, it's a little difficult for me. But we were going to branch out and do the electric stuff. But again, the COVID. Yeah, and I, I also, I want to kind of get an update from you because I remember back Again, when we've recorded before, um, you, you teach music. You teach, uh, I guess, is it just guitar, maybe just any instrument, uh, several different type of instruments, all, and you were doing it online. How has that worked out since, uh, I guess this was March when we talked to you last? How has that been going? Uh, it's going well. It's uh, guitar and piano is what I teach, and uh, it's been going pretty steady. Uh, most of the students I had then, I'm still teaching, actually got a couple new ones since then too oh cool so um i like it because i like i said before i used to drive everywhere in new jersey traffic every day and i worked seven days a week now i'm staying home i work four days a week i love life right now it's great oh nice okay (laughs) that's cool man hey so you know adapting is is a huge part of this and uh yeah it's good that you're able to do that that's cool yeah i'm really lucky because i've i have some like college classmates that are like talking about like man because we're in jersey so he's like phil murphy he's like i hate murphy he shut it down and now it's i can't make money i don't have any students i was like i don't know i guess i was lucky because most of my students were like okay we'll do it online no no problem (laughs) have you picked up students because you're online like were people maybe looking for that type of experience and now that you're doing that they're like hey this you know you can get a client from anywhere it doesn't have to be around the corner in the neighborhood or anything um yeah, that, that's a very true thing, but it hasn't really happened to me. The closest thing that happened to me was I had a student, and then they moved like far away, and then they reconnected with me because of COVID, and they're like, okay, well, all lessons are online now, so maybe you'll just teach him again. So I was like, okay, no problem. Cool. All right. Well, hey, if you're out there and you want to be taught piano by Console Wars Dan, there could be an opportunity for you there. Uh, I Big wanted, time. Yeah, I wanted to get into some concerts that we've all been to, and I... Uh, we talked a little bit, you know, before we hit record, I brought this idea up and, you know, it's true. Uh, we're talking about 90s music and in the 90s, maybe we were too young to see a lot of these bands in action. I think, Alex, it sounded like you got to see a lot of cool bands in the early 2000s. Um, mm. What are some, you know, some of the 90s bands that we've talked about, perhaps not Nirvana, but some of the other, we talked in the last episode, Tool, Soundgarden, you know, we went on and on. What are some of those 90s mainstays that you got to see you've gotten to see live uh, to some degree at some point. Alex, you haven't talked in a while. What do you got? Oh, you mean me? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess the, the main thing for me is Metallica. Like, I've seen Metallica a couple times. Um, yeah, no, it was... Jeez, uh, can't remember. It was uh, during the Reload Tour, and it was just like... It's like 97, right, 98, something like that? no the first the first time was uh january that was my first concert ever was like january 1997 but i saw him again in uh 
2000 something i can't remember but yeah after that it was uh, it was like a whole all hell broke loose you know like i just saw like Soulfly. i saw mojo or what what the hell's that band called stuck mojo that's what it was oh <laughs> wow they're called yeah i saw that's like just all these bands like one after as sepultura Soulfly, like all these bands like one after another like in 2000 2001 but yeah was that a product of just like you know your age and where you lived at the time like yeah there was a venue available where people just got booked there a lot for sure yeah no it was just me being 18 19 and me being dating a girl that wants to go out all the time <laughs> <laughs> so it just one of those things where it's just like okay this is what we're doing this is what ha- this is what's happening fine Works cool. for me. I mean, sometimes that's that's how you get to see a lot of weird bands. I I've been uh, I've also been in relationships where I was you know uh, the girlfriend wanted to see whatever weird band she was into, and I got drugged along, and I ended up having more fun than she did. So uh, <laughs> it's definitely it's definitely a narrative that's pretty common. W- what was uh, your first big concert, Dan? When I, I say big, big, of course I mean like a band that we'd all sort of yeah. know. Uh, I think my first big no, I know my first big concert was Nine Inch Nails. Uh, I think oh, in Madison wow. Square Garden, two thousand. Nice, holy shit! I want to say we had kind of shitty seats because this was my first concert. So I was like, I I really fucked up too. Like I bought like six tickets and they were all in like different seats, and then only like three of my buddies wanted to go, and then I had to get oh. more seats to make sure we were all together, and we were on the side. Um, so it was a little, <laughs> it was a little rough, and then only three of us ended up going. But it was still a sick show. Um, I really screamed the top of my lungs to every Nine Snail song. Uh, so Death from Above, uh, nineteen seventy nine opened up for them, so that was pretty sweet. Oh wow, Whoa. yeah, okay, yeah. But that was way before like I knew them. I was like, well, this band is awesome. It's just a bass player and drummer. This sounds awesome. Uh, but yeah, yeah it, was, it, it was a fantastic show. Because uh, Greg, uh, who used to do console wars, he was. Mm-hmm. A, Big Nine Inch Nails fan. That's kind of how we connected in high school. We we're like, hey, you like NIN? I like NIN. Great. Let's be friends. Um, so he was uh, one of the guys that went to the show, and we just like had a blast there, just seeing Nine Inch Nails. I think their, uh, I think the With Teeth album was the one that just came out around that time. So yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah. They played a lot of the songs off of that, and obviously they played a lot of the big hits. And they're a great show. I love it. But Trent does not talk for shit, especially like all the shows I've seen. Like he only says like two words that aren't thank you. Like I think they played like Dead Souls, which is a Joy Division cover, and then that the most that's the most mm. I ever heard from him is like this is a song from our favorite band, and then it's like that's oh right. <laughs> hey, hey Joy, uh, Joy Division. So yeah, but a great show, but like not necessarily like a showman, I guess you could say. I yeah, interesting. Totally so, agree. Do you prefer he was just that? like yeah totally like okay fine here's what this is fine (laughs) (laughs) do you prefer when the when the musician like in a live show interacts with the crowd more because i i kind of see it both ways like i i think i've been to shows where they won't stop talking and i'm like will you please start playing what i paid you to do (laughs) and then and then there's other shows like tool is a good example and nine inch nails is another good example where there's just no frills and they just go out there and just hammer it out and then walk off and I like that too, because I, I feel like I get a little more, a little more of the music. Um, but I definitely don't mind a personality out there. I've seen Primus a couple times, and, and Less is pretty funny. 
So, and as a as a musician as a musician that performs on stage yourself, like how important is that to you to to talk a little bit to the audience and interact versus hammering out the music and getting to the getting to the meat of the matter? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's what always bummed me out. That like, oh man, we just went to this Nine Chanel show. It's almost like because they're like so good and it sounds pretty much like the record and it's like man i feel like it didn't really go to a live show almost because like i got nothing extra i just got like the songs and it just sounds exactly the same i mean there's some differences but it i like that connection like when they kind of break out of the songs and they like just talk to you a little bit and they try to connect with the crowd like for me that is important a little bit like i always try to get at least one laugh from the audience while i'm up there whether it's just embarrassing my bass player (laughs) <laughs> or just like seeing something and just acknowledging it but i always try to like do something a little extra just to connect with the crowd other than just getting up there and play music because i used to do that in my original band and i feel like i was really cold to the people because i thought that's what you did you just go up there you play music because you're a musician you're not a you're not a clown you're not an act you just you just play your music but then after, right, i was like yeah. oh wow i was a dick let me just, let me lighten up a little bit and uh hey how's it going over there look at this bass player he's funny looking huh all right <laughs> That's He's not interesting. Funny looking. Sorry. That's really interesting because I think certain musicians are definitely better at it than others, and and I guess maybe Trent doesn't feel like his personality. He doesn't have a confidence in that. I've I've seen Devin Townsend play, and he's hilarious. Like it might as well be a comedy show, but there's other people where you know, like you said, like Trent, it, he's just, uh, you know, hey, uh, this, uh, hey guys, how's it going? Like even yeah. when they started the show, when I saw them. And we all saw them on the same tour. Hilariously, we all saw them when they were um, when Soundgarden came back there for a minute. Um, that tour, I guess, it was 2016, 2015, something like that. Uh, that was the first time I saw Nine Inch Nails, and the show started so fast I didn't even realize it. I was like looking down at my phone, and all of a sudden the lights got dark, and I looked <laughs> up, and they were just fucking. They were like halfway through a song already, and I was like, "Whoa!" There was no like, "Hey guys, how's it going? This is Nine Inch Nails. Happy to be in Charlotte. How's everybody doing?" That was none of that shit. It was just like song, 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 song were out and i kind of liked it but it's also because i was probably really hammered and if they had said anything i couldn't have processed it so yeah could have <laughs> no, been on fine. me is what i'm saying <laughs> no, i'm saying that's it's fine but like i just like a little bit extra i mean coming to see you i like a little bit of their personality leaking out instead of just like i already know you from the songs I'm, let me get to know you a little bit more so i appreciate when they they, they talk a little bit that's fair that's fair so uh, alex said he saw metallica have you seen metallica dan Yes, I have seen Metallica. I did not see them as early as Alex did, but I saw them whenever their last album came out. That was my first and only time seeing them. Uh, I forgot the name. When of the was last their album. last album? It was yeah, like, I, I was like 2017, maybe. It was uh, yeah, what the, hell the one after Death album? Magnetic. I forget the yeah. name of it. Uh, I can't remember. Oh, Hardwired, Hardwired to Self Destruct. That's the yeah. <laughs> okay. Album. Yeah. yeah. So we saw them uh, with a bunch of people at Nice. PNC, where is it? Or PNC Art Center? Yeah, somewhere in New Jersey. And uh, yeah, never seen Metallica. And me and my buddy, huge Metallica fans, and we write down like our top five songs we wanted to hear from them. I think I only heard one. Uh, Fade oh. to Black was the only <laughs> one that made the cut. I wanted to hear so much stuff off Master of Puppets, but they did not uh, indulge. They in did not. Their favorite album. What? No. They played. They played like the hit. They played Master of Puppets. I, they might have played um, Battery. But like I'm a big disposable heroes guy off that album. That's my favorite oh, song. Oh yeah. So I just love the. They end. didn't play. <laughs> they didn't play like freaking. Uh, oh god. 
what are the other songs on that like leper messiah or nah any of that sort so. of stuff no if they played orion i would have went nuts too oh, oh, orion. oh dude. Orion. yeah yeah absolutely that's, yeah. that's a good one but uh he won that because we did like a drinking game like whoever they play their songs off their list more the other guy has to buy the other guy more shots or something so nice i had to, I had to buy my buddy shots that night wow nice. so uh, not to gosh not to exert my dominance over you two guys i know you're pretty big at youtube but i've seen metallica twice i'll just go ahead and say i've seen them twice nice uh yeah but the the stories aren't uh i will say there's one that ends sort of on a sour note so the the most recent time i saw them was um as dan described i saw them on the hardwired to self-destruct tour a couple years ago in charlotte and i actually thought where i saw them in charlotte the sound quality was terrible i couldn't mm. hear james hardly at all I, wow. I, the music was okay, but I, I could not hear hardly any of the lyrics, and that really bummed me out. So the whole time I was just kind of looking around. I was looking at Twitter to see if like other people were pissed, and it seemed like I was the only one. So I had high standards. They weren't met for that show, unfortunately. But the other time that I saw them was, uh, it was really interesting. It was during the economic downturn there in 2008, uh, 2009. You may remember this. It was a bad time. And... Uh, it was in October of 2009. They played in Charlottesville, Virginia, which is a little, just a little ways up the road for me. So there's a couple interesting storylines here. Number one, uh, I, at the time, attended and until recently attended Virginia Tech, which is a rival of UVA, which is in Charlottesville. So I had to skip a football game uh, of my ranked college football team to go see Metallica. Okay. Uh, so I have to go to into enemy territory to watch Metallica play uh, while my football team is at home. So uh, there was a lot of – and oh, here's the other thing, too. My football team, the Virginia Tech Hokies, come out to Metallica's inner Sandman. So while we're in UVA, our rival's uh, arena, there is a lot of let's go Hokies chance because a lot of Blacksburg kids came up to see Metallica. And so that was kind of fun. That was like, oh, we just overtook our rival <laughs> stadium – with our own entrance music. Now, aside of that, Virginia Tech actually ended up losing that night. We got upset by Georgia Tech, which was very sad. Uh, while I wasn't <laughs> there, we all DVR'd. Don't laugh, Alex. It's not nice. We all DVR'd it. laughing. <laughs> we DVR'd it. We tried to, sh- sh- you know, don't update me on the game. We're going we're gonna to watch it when all we get right, back on our right, TiVos. Right. Uh, we ended up losing it. But here, here's the crazy thing. So that night... Um, and I, I don't suspect either of you are as into true crime as me. Maybe you are, Dan. I think we talked a little bit about uh, some some true crime-esque podcasts last time. But that night was the night that uh, a young lady who also attended Virginia Tech went missing at that concert. And so immediately after that show, the whole situation kind of soured because that was the night that Morgan Harrington, the missing Virginia Tech student who went to that show, uh, wasn't found. And it, it doesn't end in a, on a good note. So... Uh, at some point that night, like you know, you you think like, man, did I see a, uh, did I see that girl at all? And number one, and did I see her with with anybody that I thought was suspicious? And like, we're all a little hammered, but we're trying to think like, maybe, you know, we saw a lot of Virginia Tech kids there, so that one was it was weird for a lot of reasons. Like, I remember that night for like 15 different reasons, and it was in October 17th of 2009, so it was so long ago. But what a weird, what a weird night. And the and the thing was. Um, and it's hard to keep going on about this, but because it was the economic downturn, that was important. Metallica sold their tickets for uh, really dirt cheap. So you could get like up near the stage for just a hundred bucks flat. So I bought four of those. 
Wow. And I, I got I got them right out of the Dang. gate, and I my hands were up on the rails, so like. Uh, I was Dang. holding. I was holding the crowd back, you know, the whole time. Whoa. And, you know, James, we got some picks thrown at us, and James, you know, they switch mics. They're rotating stage, and so I got a little action from Kurt and James. So that was it. Was a really cool experience, <laughs> but unfortunately, the memory of it is uh, number one that that the poor girl went missing and ended up being uh, found dead, and then the second one, my. You know, far far less important. My my football team did not win that night, so uh, the memory is is it's just got a lot going on. I, I, what a crazy night that was for for a number of reasons. So yeah, this Metallica, two thousand seven, two thousand nine, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Okay. Yeah. Wow, while back, Do you remember yeah. that? that? Where was... were you on October seventeenth, two thousand nine? Yeah, Boy, I know, I know exactly. October two thousand like two thousand nine, like. Jeez, I was working at Capella. I was, I think, I was still working at the golf course at that point. <laughs> <laughs> I remember just about everything about that day. It was, it's such a weird day for everything to happen. But yeah. So anyway, that was that's one big show for me. So we we talked about Dan, your first one. I mean, what are some of your more memorable ones? Obviously, that that ranks high for me. But uh-huh. are there any that really stand out, like live experiences with yeah. some bands you love? Yeah, uh, I mean, let's go back to the '90s. Alice in Chains, man. Uh, I didn't see them with Lane. Uh, I saw them with Will Duvall, but um, I got some pretty good tickets because my wife, who was a bartender at the time, uh, one of her regulars like worked at a radio uh, station, and uh, he, for some reason, gave her four sort of VIP passes to this music festival that was coming up. And, and then I still remember her coming. She's like, there's some bands here. I don't know, like Red Hot Chili Peppers, Alice in Chains. Do you want to go to this thing? I'm like, yes. Yes, I do want to go to this thing. Get those tickets. Dang. So, so um, two of us and two of my other buddies, uh, we went to this music festival thing. And it was great because like we had those VIP passes. So we didn't get to go backstage, but we got to go into the radio tents and I don't know, for some reason, they let us drink their beer while we were there, too. So it's like, oh, all that's right. cool. Thanks for letting us drink your beer. So um, we just kept getting, like, VIP passes to, like, different radio tents, uh, which is really awesome. And then my one buddy, because we had okay seats, and they weren't that great. Um, my one buddy had this crazy idea. Hey, man, we have all these VIP passes. Let's try to sneak up and get as close as we can and try to find <laughs> the best seats. <laughs> and we did, man. I think we were like the 11th nice. row from the stage. Um, and we we saw Alice in Chains, and it was it was great. Like, I'm pretty sure Jerry he- heard me yell at him. Like, go, Jerry! And I'm pretty sure he gave me a stink <laughs> face. Like, what? what shut up. <laughs> Which was great. I could, I could live with that memory forever. <laughs> trying to play song here You're just yelling my trying name trying to play song come on what are you doing <laughs> oh, so that crazy. was great i love it uh but then like i guess when the red Hot chili peppers went on stage my buddy got really oh, bold man. he going he was like i'm gonna go closer and so yeah i don't know where he went i just got a text from him yeah i got kicked out i was like oh shit oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so i don't know i decided i'm smarter than him let me go sneak up <laughs> and, how far well, did you get I think I got like five rows from the from the stage before. So you stuck around shoulder. there. You stayed there. I was able to see like a few songs, and then somebody tapped me on the shoulder and said, "You got to go." Ah, I was like, ah, oh, crap! But those VIP yes. passes got us so far, like so much closer than we ever would. I'm pretty sure we yeah. like had close to lawn seats, and we got so close. It was <laughs> awesome. One of my favorite experiences ever. I ran into so many friends. Uh, it, it was <laughs> one of my favorite experiences at a concert ever. At That's Red really Hot cool. Chili Peppers? 
I'm pretty sure it was right outside. Oh, it was kind of drunk too. <laughs> you know, I did get a lot of beer at those radio station things. I'm pretty sure it was right <laughs> out Chili Peppers, Alice in Chains. But there was like a bunch of bands, so like I think every band was up there for maybe like 30 to 45 minutes. It wasn't like right on huh? long. Oh, gotcha. But it was, it was okay. still awesome as hell. Very cool, man. I actually I saw the Peppers in the same place I saw Metallica that night in 2007. It was on the uh, the Stadium Arcadium tour, and man, they were a really good show. And they they uh, it was the night that their their drummer uh, Will Ferrell. He uh, <laughs> that's a joke. He looks like Will Chad Smith looks like Will Ferrell. Uh, he it was his birthday, so they did like they did so many encores just because it was this dude's birthday. And I couldn't help but think I'm like, is this what he wants to do on his birthday? Is just continue? Is just like not stop playing music? <laughs> Like, does he want to go back and get drunk with his family or anything? But <laughs> does he really want all these encores? But they just wouldn't stop. So uh, that I mean, it was a lot of fun. They're really, really good live. So that's really cool, man. So you've seen some pretty cool bands. Yeah, I've seen some. But like, again, it's like I do hit it pretty hard in the pre games and the parking lots. So it's uh, it's a little fuzzy sometimes. But like, I'll hear a song. I like remember we saw Weezer and Deftones randomly. Oh, nice. Yeah, that was oh, late, man. though. That was, like, okay. five years ago, Deftones. maybe. You, you got to go into Deftones for a little bit, okay? You got you got to <laughs> tell us about Deftones for a little bit. I mean, I'm not the biggest Deftones fan. I had Around the Fur, like, in the 90s. That was, like, yeah. right. my jam. And uh, it sucked, because I remember going to band practice. I had the CD in my pocket. I sat on it, and I cracked it. No! Anyways. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they played, uh, like, a bunch of their, like, all the, a bunch of the songs off Around the Fur, you know, um, My Own Summer, was it Be Quiet and Drive? That that's my jam right there. Yeah, Be dude, My Own drive. Summer. Some of the there's riffs from that album are just so yes. good. Yeah, that My Own Summer riff is, oh, it's it's tight. Oh, riff. it I kills really me. Like yeah, one. it's so good. No doubt, man. So that's really cool. I so I don't really know where to go from here. I'm just I'm kind of I'm looking at my own. I don't know if you guys use this or not. I definitely do. I shared it with Alex. Uh, I've been to like quite a number of live shows. I sort of have a bucket list, and I use this website, setlist.fm, to track the shows I've been to. And they also, hmm. it's like crowdsource, they'll put in the playlist. So you can go back and click on the, on the the night that you went to that concert. It shows you like where you saw it, what date it was, where it was, and also the song list. Oh. And I, it's, oh, it's a diary for me. I've been keeping up with it since the mid-2000s, and it's been hanging around for me, so... Hopefully that site doesn't go under, but uh, I've gotten to see, you know, and I don't want to, it feels like whenever you, you mention it, like you saw a band live, it, it's like, you feel like you got to brag about it a little bit because you know, it's, it's sort of an exclusive experience. Not everybody gets to go mm-hmm. see all these cool bands live, but I did get to see some bands that were way past their twilight uh, live lately. I got to see ACDC live and uh-huh. unfortunately it was well, kind of unfortunately, Brian Johnson uh, couldn't sing anymore at that point. Mm. This was in 2016, so it's already like ACDC's kind of in a in a sad way. The show already got pushed back a year because of that, but they were able to get um, Axl Rose to be the front man. And I gotta say, for all his faults, Axl Rose, hell of a performer, pretty good doing ACDC songs. I was impressed the whole really? night. Yes, he was great, and also he knew his place. He stayed completely, <laughs> like he, he, you know. He, I also saw Guns N' Roses not long after that, but uh, which were also great. But um, he knew for, when he was doing ACDC, he kind of stayed off to the side of me. He was yeah. he was the front man, but he knew that it was Angus's show, and Angus, yeah, exactly. with his li- with his little tight short shorts, dude. That guy. <laughs> 
<laughs> if you could bottle the energy from Angus Young, you could power a middle school, an inner city middle school. Like he did not stop moving for three hours in all Jesus. of his little gimmicks, like coming in and out of different parts of the stages. The spotlight would shoot up. He'd be up here. It'd shoot down here. He'd be on your lap. He'd shoot over here. He'd be swinging off the ceiling. The dude never stopped. I mean, it was incredible, and, and they did not disappoint. Even in 2016, wow. they were hitting all of the high notes. So that's when I was very, I was very skeptical because I was like, am I going to go see ACDC's funeral? Like, I don't want to leave this feeling <laughs> bad about, you know what I mean? Like you don't want to see your heroes like past where they should have been. Oh, absolutely not. It's, it's listen, you and me, uh, Trav, we know about wrestling yeah, and we know about going to wrestling, t- uh, shows and we know about going to see old wrestling shows. You gotta be careful. And we man. don't want to see, we don't want to see Sergeant Slaughter, you know, like on his deathbed. We don't want to yeah. see Hulk Hogan on his deathbed. We don't want to see Ric Flair, you know, just keeling over. On exactly. His deathbed. You, you want to remember those guys. You know, it doesn't yeah. have to be at their peak, but definitely very close yeah. to post peak. You don't want to see them still trying to perform when it's like exactly. sad, sad to watch. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, man, ACD, aside, again, Brian Johnson wasn't there, but dude, a- Angus. Four or five years ago, still 1970s Angus. Crazy. It was pretty cool to watch, no doubt. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I love hearing that. Yeah, it was pretty sweet. Um, Are there any, do you guys have any experiences like that where you saw, like, uh, you know, maybe ACDC? I don't know how many examples there are. (laughs) I've seen Aerosmith and ACDC both pass their prime, both did a pretty good job. And you'd expect them to. They've been doing it for 30 years. That is their job. That's what they do. That's all they do. Um, but have you been impressed by like and just an old 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 school band? No, I haven't personally gone to any, and I feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, it's mostly Metallica, like Lars. Like I keep expecting that guy's head to just like fall off his body because he's <laughs> just so freaking energetic and just so. You know, he is what he is, and it's it's tough. You know, you know, it's that's just that music is so demanding. You know, it's it's hard to like, uh, I guess, just freaking, you know, just what what else are you gonna do with like freaking Dyer's Eve or you know Blackened or anything like that? It's <laughs> right. just that's just what it is, and it just kind of makes you <laughs> makes you keel over and die basically but <laughs> you know they don't play that kind of stuff anymore but um yeah, yeah no i'm i'm really happy to hear that um they have a little bit of youth in their band with uh their bass player and um yeah he's uh, good yo he's yeah. amazing he's that guy's incredible but yeah and even james is just uh you know he's a really good singer and yeah it's just they're they're very uh cognizant of where they are right now in their lives and um you know they don't play that kind of stuff anymore so it's good for them <laughs> at, at a certain point it's like yeah it's yeah no fine. doubt man because I, I did see, I saw Steely Dan a couple years ago, and this wasn't my choice. I'm not a big Steely Dan fan. It was my, my mother-in-law's choice. But that was, you know, it was still okay. Like, again, I'm not a Steely Dan fan, but I, it, it felt, I was like, does he need to be 
Like, do we need to take an extra break for him? Is he going to be okay? Like, and <laughs> he starts to feel bad. Yeah, yeah. His name isn't Steely Dan. I know that. I can't remember it. But if his name were Steely Dan, I'd say, Mister Dan, do you need, <laughs> do you need like a water or anything? Because it, it did seem like he was getting tapped out toward the end. But it was. I mean, he's booked. He's booked for the full two hours. But about an hour in, I was like, this, is his nurse here? Does she need to look at him? <laughs> That's the but, same as freaking. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, Rolling Stones, where it's like, okay, are there are, are there people, are there paramedics on the side of the stage <laughs> that are waiting for them? Like, Jesus Christ, like, holy shit. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I, do, do we, what are some other live shows that you guys have been to? I mean, you, you talked about a couple, Dan. I know you've been to Madison Square Garden. That seems like a, a, a fantasy land to me. I, you know, I only hear about that down in the South. Is it, how cool is it to see a show there? I mean, it's, it's good. It's, it's, huge for sure but um you know it's it's cool i like the smaller shows though i I tend to try to go to smaller venues just because there's more of a chance you can actually meet the band so i'm all about that i'm all about like sticking around and like hey maybe he's gonna be around and i could just chat with him a little bit so i like those what other 90s bands have you seen dan like what other like bands that people might not have heard of that are in you're into that people might not have I haven't yeah. really seen that many uh, of the, the 90s bands. Like, I mean, Well, I'm talking about, like, the you know, like, Toadies. Like, do you know the Toadies? Like, I know the Toadies. Like... I know, I've never seen them, though. <laughs> no, I mean, like, uh, I, I'm thinking along those lines, though. Like, I don't go to too anything? many, like, yeah, I haven't really seen anything, like, too obscure from the 90s. Like, it's like, I guess I'm just not okay. looking for it. Especially, like, the ones that, like, like, the Toadies. I only really know Possum Kingdom. I don't really know too many. Which is like a, a great and it. confusing song. Is he murdering a woman near a boat? I don't know <laughs> what's going on. In That's that song. exactly why I wanted to bring that up because I wanted Trav <laughs> to bring that joke up. It's the only is it reason. A joke. I'm so confused. Uh, but but I think it, maybe this is a good bridge point. And again, like if if we were going to talk about live shows, I could keep going. I've had a pretty good. My bucket list has been. I've been kicking it for years, or not kicking it. it as in like I'm dying, but I've been like putting good bands in there for a while. I'm pretty proud of what i've got in there but what are some modern bands that uh satisfy that 90s itch for you because alex and alex and i were talking about this the other day there's like a specific sound from the grunge era and maybe some of the progressive stuff that um maybe the three of us are really into especially if we really like those core 90s grunge bands are there any bands today that scratch that itch for you um maybe kind of like because one of the things I like about the whole Seattle grunge thing is like that you guys talked about it last time that rawness just like how they don't really care it's about being too polished like this is just the sound and this is what you get we don't care if it's like famous or not so I kind of like that like messiness of uh, the grunge mm-hmm. stuff and I guess for a while it was like really into garage rock stuff like that Okay. and um, I saw like I don't know if you guys ever even heard of these guys like Ty Siegel have you ever heard of Ty Siegel He's a garage no. rock guy. Yeah, he's like I think he's based in California or something. But like it's just that rawness, that kind of energy. So I was like attracted to that. So that was always a fun show. Uh, seeing Ty Siegel, I think I've seen him like two or three times live. Um, not so new now, but he was kind of new in like the early 2010s or whatever. But okay. that was one of the things that I was drawn to. It's garage rock. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I I think I. I ended up going harder with my music interests. Um, 
Not much more. I, I would say more uh, Metallica adjacent bands. So like where Metallica is a little heavier than grunge, but it's still, I mean, if you looked at it through today's metal lens, Metallica is almost pop in some, to, according to some people. So I, I think I like bands like, you know, Mastodon is a band that I've gravitated toward recently. I really like them. Uh, Gojira is another one that I really like. And, and those scratch, uh, those bands scratch like a heavier itch for me. Um, and Gojira's like not, definitely not grungy. They're very, it's very precise, uh, uh, you know, melodic metal, but still it's got that heaviness and, and the, I guess the singing, uh, the, the vocals that I like. And so that's, it's probably, you know, of the modern bands that I can say are adjacent to what I used to like back in the nineties. Those are probably two that really really uh speak to me ghost is another band that i really like but they're more like a 70s um throwback <laughs> in a lot of ways but i really like them they got some good riffs uh so are there any in modern bands at all like before i, I qualified it and said anything kind of 90s ish but what are, what's some modern music that you're both into now you go you go first because like <laughs> i'm trying to think like i don't listen to so much modern shit i was anymore. gonna say ghost frick yeah like i saw ghost uh back in november of last year and oh my god it's one of the best concerts i've ever seen in my life they were so much fun oh man i love ghosts they're so good um tobias is such a showman and he's so he knows how to take the temperature of an audience and just knows how to like just play a crowd and all that sort of stuff like he's just amazing like i love that guy like he's one of my heroes um i don't know other than him though but uh yeah tobias of uh ghost is one of my favorites yeah uh, I like, other than I like that too. I, yeah yeah I other than that i don't even <laughs> freaking know <laughs> um yeah so i guess i kind of got into kind of that black keys kind of sound uh okay a few years ago nice and uh one of the bands that i liked is i don't know if you guys are familiar with gary clark jr at all doesn't ring a bell. No, doesn't so ring. Okay. Well, he's he's really awesome at that sound, and uh, yeah, he's. I think he might be the last uh, sort of new act I kind of saw. Um, very sort of blues-based guitar riffs, but just like really great songs, and it's got a lot of that raw energy that I kind of like. So, I think that might have been the last like big show I went to actually. Larry Gary Clark Jr. Check it out if uh, if you like anything that kind of sounds like remotely like that Black Keys kind of sound. Cool. Interesting. So that kind of, for some reason, it kind of jogged me into thinking like, so years ago, I, I took guitar lessons and, you know, they didn't take, I'm still ass, but I took them <laughs> under this dude who was, um, he was a pretty good guitar instructor. Like first day he would, he, I, you know, when I came in, he was like, what music do you like? And he knew that. And as, as you probably know, like if people start playing music, they like, I think it's easier for them to gain confidence um, if they end up playing something that sounds like music that they like. So is there any music that a student has brought into you that, that has turned you on? Like, have you heard a student, you know, suggest they want to learn a song and you're like, wow, that song's pretty sweet. I hadn't heard of that. Like, does that happen a lot? Um, not really. <laughs> most of my <laughs> students are, most of my students are so young. They're just like, I don't know what to learn. Just tell me what to learn and I'll learn it. Uh, I mean, okay. occasionally there's a song here or there that it's like oh that, that is not a bad song so i'll listen to it but um that doesn't happen too often and i can't even name any off the top of my head because it happens oh, so rarely yeah gotcha what's the most common song you have to learn 
I mean, like I said, most of them don't actually like request songs. So I usually kind of just teach the same songs over and over again. I teach a lot of Green Day because Green Day is like one of the easiest bands to learn. <laughs> so right. a lot of like uh, Good Riddance, a lot of Brain Stew. Yeah. <laughs> Brain Stew just I was going to say, you got to learn Seven Nation Army a, a ton, right? I mean, some students want to learn it, but I don't really make that priority <laughs> because, like, it sounds like a bass, so it's like, eh, you could learn Oh, there riff. you go. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Man, I, I had a really good relationship with my uh, music instructor. He would burn me CDs of, of music that he thought I would like, and I would make him CDs of music that he uh, thought he would like. And oh, wow. maybe he was maybe he was placating me, but we ended up exchanging a lot of music, and he was sort of like my music you know gold rush for a long time and we were both we both really connected over a lot of like the virtuoso guitar stuff that was like his big thing and i that was the reason i wanted to learn guitar not because i wanted to become like an ingway momstein or a steve Vai, but i was like (laughs) is it possible to play guitar and look like i'm good at it (laughs) and uh turns out for me no but um (laughs) in a a lot of it's because i did i just didn't have the time to put in the effort and the practice you need to be that good unfortunately but uh, I think that's cool, though. I mean, I, teaching music, it has to be pretty rewarding. What are some of the more rewarding moments that you've had? Like, do you, you know, when, when a student comes in and maybe they've been trying like a piece or something that you've showed them and they nail it, like how cool does that feel that you, you help them, you know, get that? I mean, that feels pretty good. Um, just, I just as you were asking me, like, what's a good moment? Like, I'm just thinking about the student I was teaching today. Like, I usually do recitals, like, not big stuff. Like, they usually have, like, maybe 10 students at a time because they're in a small space. And I had this one student, and she was, like, so nervous. And she kind of, like, froze. And she just kind of collapsed. And she's like, I can't do this. I can't do this. So I was like, okay, it's okay. It's okay. You don't have to do it. And then um, she still did the next recital and the next uh, half a year. I do, like, two a year. So she did the next one, like, six months later. And then she she nailed it, and I was awesome. just like, I was just so proud of her, like overcoming her fear and just like just going out there and just just doing it. And the fact that she like didn't like resist, that she wasn't like, I don't want to do any more recitals because I've had that moment like in college, like I have to play classical guitar and then like I just froze and I've totally bombed on stage. And just to see other yeah. students like just rise above that, that fear and anxiety and just perform, just that makes me really happy. That's awesome. Yeah, spe- speaking of fear and anxiety, so you know you're not doing it for school now. You're not playing classical guitar, but when you're up there performing, you know your Nirvana and your your Alice in Chains cover uh, cover band. Uh, what are the nerves like before? Like, is it? <laughs> do you feel pretty good about it because you're you know it's your thing, or is it not? The Nirvana, I feel pretty confident at, just because we've had so many like good shows, and it's like most people are like really nice at the nirvana the alice in chains because that's newer and i've only done one show with them i'm definitely a lot more like i'm gonna go walk back and forth a hundred times and tell myself i suck <laughs> until um, i'm on that stage uh that's you gotta yeah, I mean, you, you gotta do the lead singer like i'm gonna walk around the stage and <laughs> be self-conscious and be like yeah do you drink at all before? Like, is there anything that you do to relax before you have to do? Uh, I definitely stage? try not to drink because I get sloppy and overconfident, and I definitely oh, yeah. am not as good. Uh, so I try to avoid that stuff. But like, yeah. I'll, I sort of, I don't drink, and then so I can reward myself afterwards with the right. uh, <laughs> with the libations. And usually, sometimes it's uh, you get like a sweet deal when you perform somewhere. It's like, oh, half price off, or you get like you know drink tickets or whatever. So nice. I usually try to save all my celebration for afterwards. That's cool, man. 
we do have another email question uh, that I wanted to get to, and it's from a friend of the show and a show that a uh, guy show that uh, Alex and I were both on uh, this month. You can check out if you go to classicgamingpodcast.com, episode 147. Uh, featuring Drunk Friend. We were on that. So this email comes from Robert Ring, and I saved this for this part of the show uh, because I thought that, uh, Dan, you might have you know some something to say about this because it does involve Nirvana and Nine Inch Nails, Smashing Pumpkins, all the stuff that we like. Oh, so cool. he says, Hey, guys, uh, I loved the 90s alternative slash uh, grunge discussion last week as it brought back a lot of memories, particularly involving Nirvana and Smashing Pumpkins. My question for you is, did either of your parents ever have any restrictions on the music you were allowed to listen to? I never would have been allowed to buy a Nine Inch Nails album, for example, but I wasn't that interested in them anyway. Uh, for me, there was one time that my mom took away my Nirvana in Utero album because she heard me playing Rape Me. My parents were super strict, but they did have limits. And honestly, despite... Oh, I'm sorry, he says my parents weren't super strict, but they did have limits. And honestly, despite my own anti-censorship beliefs, I don't know if I can blame them for not allowing a 13-year-old to listen to a song in which the singer repeatedly yells, rape me. I might have done the same. Did either of you have any situations like that, or was all music fair game Rob? I think that's a really, really, really good question. Uh, Alex, do you have any, you know, did your parents ever invoke what you should be listening to, what you shouldn't be listening to? Did you ever, Blair, rape me from your room? And what happened when you did? I did blare that song from <laughs> my room. And my parents were done with being parents when I was a kid <laughs> because I was the youngest of three. And so they just didn't care anymore. <laughs> and they were just like, okay, fine. We were just, you know, we're just, all right. You know, it's the 90s. You know, my parents had been <laughs> parents from the 70s through the 80s. And I was the 90s kid, and they were just like, fine, we don't care. So they were just go. like, okay, fine, do whatever you want. So, yeah, that was that's my story. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Dan? Um, I was an only child, but my parents really didn't care too much. I could play Rape Me, Blast That, really loud. Um, actually, like, Nine Inch Nails, like, my mom really liked Closer. Oddly enough, wow. Uh, so she had no problem with me listening to that, which is really funny because when I played a show with my '90s tribute band years later, my future mother-in-law saw me perform and we played closer, and she didn't really like that song. Oh man! So Whoa. it's so it's it's hilarious. So like every time I do a show, she always asks me, even though I'm in a Nirvana and Alice in Chains bands, I'm not a Nine Inch Nails one. She always asks me, "You're not gonna do that one song, are you?" I'm like, "No, I'm not gonna do that song. Don't worry." It's, not the same band so um just getting back around to the question no i never really had restrictions any when it came to music i could listen to whatever i wanted yeah that's fun so your mom sounds like she was really cool because i think she got you into gaming too and she was down with nine inch nails closer so that's that's pretty awesome (laughs) pretty awesome mom yeah yeah Uh, it's all right (laughs) yeah uh my parents were kind of kind of strict like it's weird because when I was really small and hanging out with my older sister, I don't think my parents, like, I don't think my mom and dad would have let me listen to Robert Palmer and Aerosmith when I was five. Those were secret tapes that my sister <laughs> handed off to me 
my 16 year old sister was like here take these shut up don't tell mom and dad just leave me alone stay out of my room just listen to this and so you know thanks to her uh, they were pretty cool tapes but I don't think my parents knew that because there was a there's a lot of suggestive stuff in in any Aerosmith album. It's 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 very like veiled. In a, in, as a kid, I had no idea what the lyrics meant. Like they could have said anything. I was just singing along to the words. I didn't know what an innuendo was. So it it wasn't like <laughs> I knew what a lot of the stuff was in the music I listened to, and probably didn't know until I was like in my twenties. I think it stunted my realization of the words I was saying was because I'd sing them for so long. I didn't even think of them as sentences they were just lyrics so um so yeah i don't i i remember my parents like not wanting me to buy certain albums but once if i was able to get them i was like far enough away in a pretty big old house that they couldn't really hear what i was listening to so if i could get it if i could just uh, find some way to acquire it i was pretty safe they weren't going to uh to tell me not to play it or find it or whatever they didn't really mess with my stuff so it was all about acquirement for me and same with games too. Yeah, my parents didn't. Uh, once I, you know, if they didn't have to buy it, if I found out some other way to get it, there's no way they were going to find out that it had blood in it or whatever because they didn't really, they didn't keep tabs on me that close. They didn't watch it, watch me as I was taking in all of these things. They just were very careful about what came in the house. But I do remember for my birthday one year because, again, my when I was five years old, my sister handed me off all these cool ladies things, um, and then we kind of connected over that. So for years, it was like you know, we we were buddies on bands like warrant and uh cinderella and, and motley crew like she's always been my hair metal friend and we we saw journey together we've seen def leppard together and i remember when i turned like 10 years old and my sister always gets me a cd for my birthday to this day i oh, wow. don't awesome. have i don't even have a cd player anymore but she always gets me a cd uh i have to actually the only way i can listen to a cd i guess is maybe on my PlayStation one, I think they still play them. But she, when I was 10 years old, she got me Motley Crue's girls, girls, girls. And my mom found it. And she was, she got mad at my Uh sister. Who's like in her twenties at this point. And my sister was like, it's, it's fine. It's just, it's just Motley Crue. And my mom was like, but it's girls, girls, girls. And have you seen the front? It's just half naked women on motorcycles. And my sister was like, you have no idea the other CDs I've given him over the years. Just let it, just let it go. I remember my mom and my mom and my sister getting in an argument so that I could have Aerosmith's "Girls, Girls, Girls," and, or I'm sorry, Motley Crue's "Girls, Girls, Girls," and I was so stoked. I was being fought over. My sister won. <laughs> I got to keep the CD. It was pretty rad, Motley Crue CD, and uh, I, I'm pretty thankful for that. So, uh, all that horned up late '80s, super masculine, oversexualized. Well, despite music. the fact that that song is freaking terrible. The song's let's, not let's great. Let's be honest now. CD's yeah, pretty cool, though. There, there's some B-sides on I there. Mean, there's some ballads. It's fine. It's fine. It's just that song is... The song itself is just... Yeah. No, yeah. It's, it's. I mean, for a title track, I don't know why they chose that one. Maybe just <laughs> an excuse. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. You're right, I though. just remember the, the song being played on MTV, and I'm just like, really? This is your freaking title track? Yeah. Like, really? Like, this is your... <laughs> this is what you're you're leading with your your title track like okay fine it was it was good no dr you. feel good i agree with you and dr <laughs> feel yeah dr feel good was really good that's all girls yeah. girls girls not so much i'm yeah, i'm, no. I'm with you to be honest but but yeah. the, it was the it was my sister's fight for me to have it all right all right, all right i got you know, i got, got to keep that. it i got to keep it so uh yeah so i guess that <laughs> 
that's pretty close to the end of the show. But I wanted to also go back because last episode, Alex and I talked ad nauseum about Soundgarden and some of her memories mm. from that. And you you had uh, something that you, you said you also liked. Uh, Dan, you said you also liked um, Day I Tried to Live, that you said that was your favorite song. What are some of your – do you have any other Soundgarden memories or favorite songs you can talk about? Because that's a band that we, we like here. We didn't really talk about it today. Uh, it's, a, it's a band that I didn't really get, like, too deep into. Like, I was kind of, like, more of a hits guy with Soundgarden. It's funny. After listening to your podcast last week, I downloaded mm. uh, I downloaded Super Unknown and Bad Motorfinger after listening to it. <laughs> awesome. Really? Did you yeah. really? What did you yeah, think you guys- of it? I, I really like Bad Motorfinger. That is a great album. Nice. It's it's solid. Yeah, I haven't listened to um, uh, Super Unknown as much yet, but uh, I really oh. like Bad Motorfinger. Yeah, I mean, th- I never thought there was any bad Soundgarden songs. I guess like for me, like they never really were as grungy as the other ones because they definitely sounded mm. more Zeppelin-y, a little more like mainstream metal kind of than as opposed to the grunge. I mean, they had some like alternative sounding songs, but not really sure. that grunge sound. So I can see I, that. Yeah. Yeah, but I I always loved chris cornell's voice um one of my favorite songs is actually off the uh the single soundtrack uh what is that name of that song oh my god nice i love it i'm gonna hold on i know i got it right here okay seasons yeah seasons but it's sound garden it's just chris cornell it's on the single soundtrack it's just such a great like acoustic song and love his vocals on that one so seasons by chris cornell is probably one of my favorite songs out there that's one I don't have, honestly, that I need to get on my computer, like, right now. Yeah, just uh, get it. I mean, there's <laughs> some okay stuff on there. There's, like, some weird bands that I'm like, I, you don't sound like you belong here. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that's a good song. Season's got a couple Pearl Jam on there, like, some Mud Honey. Uh, I like the yeah. Spring Trees. And Drowned by uh, Smashing Pumpkins. That's another good song. Yeah, I forgot the Smash Pumpkins are on that one. Very cool. I mean, I also like kind of like the earlier Soundgarden stuff, like Nothing to Say. I love Nothing to Say. Just uh, the rawness in like his vocals during that. I mean, this is like early Soundgarden, so Chris Cornell's just going for it, and it's it's a powerful song. Nothing to Say. It's I, I love it. I love that. The, the speed of it it's a slower one it's really heavy though and to, he's just belting at the top of his vocal range oh it's a great one nothing to say that's like yeah. super old isn't it yeah like yeah early it's like 80s off their first, that's off their fir- like, first like lp or something oh yeah i was like man that's like that's a great whole, one like again like, un- like oh sorry oh i'm sorry no i was just gonna say that was like super like <laughs> like 84 85 like we're talking like early 80s like chris cornell like jean yeah. jacket chris cornell <laughs> <laughs> like one of the things that really turned me on to the seattle sound was like the movie hype did you ever see the movie hype guys i have not no oh no. my god it's a great movie it's like came out in 96. i need to see that it came out in 96 it like documents like the late 80s seattle to like the mid 90s seattle scene it's just like everything like there's so many bands that are so good in that and just like exposed me to so much of that seattle sound nothing to say is in that um love battery is a great seattle band that movie they were in that movie so like i really hype if you've never seen hype oh do yourself a favor i think you'll really like it they have the first performance of smells like teen spirit on there it's great oh wow so 
so yeah, I just I went to that Wikipedia page and it was talking about uh, bands, and uh, you know you, you listed a few of them here. Mud Honey is is in that um, yeah that film uh, Nirvana Soundgarden, uh, the Melvins another one that I like, but one that sticks out to me, and this and Alex might remember this. One of the bands listed here is Gas Huffer, and Gas Huffer <laughs> is interesting because our friend and a guy in my Discord, uh, Josh Leslie, <laughs> on one of their covers. He is the kid. It's called, if you want to look it up right now, it's One Inch Masters by Gas Huffer. The kid on the cover playing with that little figurine is a guy in my Discord. His name's Josh Leslie. He goes by Frantic Society on... Uh, oh, my God. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And it's the I, same kid. It's the same kid, yeah. And I didn't, I didn't realize that Gas Huffer was big enough to be part of the hype movie, so I'm blown away that my buddy Josh, when he was a little boy, is right there on the cover of a Gas Huffer CD... And he's oh, in the wow. same sentence, uh, literally on Wikipedia as Pearl Jam, Nirvana, uh, and and the like. So that's that's pretty fucking cool, man. Wow. Josh, if you're listening, you're a celebrity now. I didn't realize Gas Huffer <laughs> had such panache. That's pretty sweet, man. Should have had him on the podcast. No of me. shit. Jeez. Who's Dan? We got this fucking celebrity over here with the. I love it. Man. That's great. Let me let me think. You're a guitar player, right? Like, okay, we can cut this out, but. <laughs> Day I Tried to Live, like, that's, like, a hard song to tune to, right? I actually have never tried playing it, so I couldn't tell. Okay, yeah. That, that, <laughs> that yeah, song, cut that out, cut that out. It's a great when song. you look at the tablature of that song, it's freaking impossible to, like, try and play that because it's like, okay, you got to tune every every string on your guitar to B, and it's like, uh, all right, give me 20 minutes. I'll, <laughs> <laughs> I'll turn this down and... All that sort of stuff, but yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. A lot of B B B B E E. Yeah, man. exactly. And Soundgarden's really weird with that, where they, it, it's not very user friendly when it comes to, you know, just guitar playing stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah. When I was younger, and I thought about the way Kim Thale, uh, Thale, I guess the guitarist for Soundgarden played, like a mm. lot of the grunginess sounded so off. I was like, does he know? what he's doing like i like the sound but it's like did he pick that guitar up out of a river and thought like he could just play it without tuning it because sometimes <laughs> you're like i don't know what tune that is but it sounds broken my dude but i obviously i like the sound i like the grunginess of it and the mm-hmm. and the un uh i guess unresolved tension that a lot of their music has but yeah, that's a really good point. Like the the tuning for most of their songs is crazy. And I guess now that you've I you know, I won't say that maybe you've rediscovered Soundgarden a little bit through the last episode. Certainly you're familiar with them before. Uh, how soon before you brush up on your Chris Cornell lyrics and do we see that Soundgarden cover band come out? <laughs> oh, oh man, I would love I that. I, I I need to see more uh Chris Cornell Soundgarden uh stuff in New Jersey. Please. <laughs> Only if I can, once my abs are as good as Chris Cornell's were, then I'll, then I'll do it. That's true. You got to have the good abs. And gotta so what, have. Would, what would be a good name for a Soundgarden cover band? I mean, you, you've been pretty good at coming up with cover band names. What would you choose? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you put me on the spot like that. Uh, it would probably just be the name of a song or something, like honestly. Sound abs? Abs. There you go. Jesus, Jesus Christ abs. There we go. Jesus, Jesus Christ, Christ abs. That's a good one. Or Spoon Boy, maybe. 
Jesus Christ abs. Jesus Christ abs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not wrong. If, if you're in church, you look at those abs. You're like, man, he did have a good trainer, didn't he? He did yeah. have friggin', uh, He did have a six pack. When you look at the <laughs> when you look at the cross there, yeah, it's like uh, what do you call it? Uh, oh God, what's that show called? Um, uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Where oh yeah, when Mac. <laughs> I'm looking got, for the like, I'm looking for the Jesus and the cross or Jesus and the cross look. And... <laughs> nice. All right. Well, I guess I guess we could wrap it up here. Um, unless anybody else had anything to add. But I wanted to ask Dan, uh, do you have anything to plug? You said you got a show coming up. What about some of the YouTube stuff and the the uh, YouTube stuff you have for your bands? Is there anything that people should be aware of? Um, I mean, we do have a new episode coming out this Friday, but this podcast probably coming out in a few weeks. So, um, I don't know, just check out Console Wars on YouTube if you haven't, youtube.com slash Console Wars. If you like, if you would like to see any of my bands, it's a, I don't exactly know the YouTube thing, but it's either Penny Royalty NJ, it's royalty like a king, R-O-Y-A-L-T-Y, and then the Allison Chains is Jar of Flies NJ. So if you if you want to see if I sound like Lane or Kurt, you can check out that stuff on those nice. YouTube channels. What's your favorite uh, Allison Chain song? I just wanted to ask that because I was going to just come out and say that I think mine is Down in a Hole. But what's your favorite? Mm. What's your favorite to perform? I, maybe we asked you this in the last episode, but I, I want to know again. What's your favorite to perform, and what's your favorite just in general Allison Chain's track? It's mm, tough. Um, since we only did like one performance, um, mm. my. F- yeah, I know it's, it's rough, but my the favorite one to perform is like it's not. I love Nutshell. I just uh, the see melody, that's what I was gonna really say. Somber. That was like the um, acoustics sort of stuff from yeah uh, Jar, Jar Flies. Flies. Yeah. yeah. So um, like I like I love that, but like I said, we only did one acoustic show. So mm. if I had to pick like a favorite electric one, it's uh, it's sort of a toss up um, between them. No, not them bones. I'm sorry toss up between angry chair and and we die young i love those two songs it's just got nice the right enough of anger i love the harmonies in an angry chair and just uh, and we die young just just kicks ass <laughs> i love it oh my god yeah it would die any of anything from the first ellison chains album the vocal harmonies are incredible yeah for sure i, I just wanted to say that you know the ellison chain stuff there's something about it and it might be the harmonies. Like I don't think I'm as good as a singer as Lane Staley, but when it comes on in the car, buddy, you, you, oh, I'm singing it loud, and I'm I'm hitting every note, and I'm pretty good at it in my car. No, with there no one go. else listening. So it's it's definitely a band that I, I love singing along with. So I imagine it's pretty fun to be a part of that band. So folks, please go check out uh, YouTube.com Jar of Flies NJ or however you get get to it on YouTube. Uh, check that out. It's it's really good. I've checked it out. It's great. Um, but yeah, I guess that wraps up our episode. So please check out all that stuff. Reach out to us on drunkfriendpodcast at gmail.com. If you have any more anecdotes or questions or stories to share about nineties music or gaming in general. Mm -hmm. And if you like podcasts, uh, you can check out the others on the network at polykill.com, such as tales of the lesser medium off kilter and polykill. And Dan, I heard you mention earlier, you have a podcast going on. What podcast are you doing? I have a podcast called retro versus remake. It's a movie podcast where we compare old movies and their modern day remakes and we just usually determine should the remake exist it's kind of we don't usually go which one's better because it's usually the original but like should it just exist was it good enough to make and we just have long discussions about that lots of fun stuff we just did child's play oh so um that was cool 
Yeah, it was. Uh, they're ninety-minute movies each, but our podcast was over three hours somehow. Wow. Oh, that one. Yeah. So we really dissected Child's Play. That's cool, man. <laughs> I'm into I, I like hearing that stuff. If you'd like to simply help out the show, remember to rate and review and review us wherever you listen, please. For yes, God's please. sake, Jesus, re- please, God. rate and review us. For God's sake, we're begging you. Jesus Christ, God, abs. Please, damn. Please. Uh, we're on Twitter as well. Jesus I'm at Trap Plays Games. Alex is, of course, at SNES Drunk. And you can find Dan at Console Wars Guys. Console Wars well, Guys. Yeah, Dan's okay. the man. Please go harass Dan at his place. <laughs> also, we want to give a shout-out to Kulor for his podcast music. He's the man. Uh, the song you heard at the beginning and the end of the podcast is called Electric Starbounce, and you can find a link to more of his music on the Buzzsprout podcast page. Uh, be sure to catch us all on YouTube, and thanks for listening. And have a great rest of your day. I was going to say, stick around for part three when we discuss 90s dance. Hey, <laughs> be my lover, want to be my lover. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'll do it. <laughs> I, I could go there. I'll do it too, man. I'm there with you. Absolutely.